Hello and welcome to Mixed Feelings, a podcast about news, politics, and pop culture on the Relay FM network. I'm Quinn Rose, and I'm here as always with my co-host Jillian Parker. Hey everyone! Hey Quinn! Hello! How are you doing, Jillian? I'm doing good! I'm doing good! Um, my internship is over, so I'm back home until I, you know, start the next two weeks of just travel and running around like a crazy person. But yeah, the summer went really well. Um, I'm really happy. I'm going to probably return to my internship position, job, whatever. So that takes out a lot of stress and it's going to be weird pretending to be a real life adult, but I don't know. I think maybe I can keep up this charade for a little longer. (laughs) How are you, Quinn? That got deep. Um, (laughs) I'm doing pretty well. I'm in the last week of my study abroad program. Also, I'm sorry, everyone. My voice is a little weird. I've been sick, and so it's just, it goes in and out a little bit, but we'll pull through together. But yeah, um, and I just, I literally like, I got back from Italy, and then I walked into this room and sat down and got on uh, Skype with you. So I just got back from Italy. (laughs) Wait, tell us about Italy. I love Italy. Yeah, it was so nice. It was the first time I've ever been there. Um, And I had a really lovely time. I went to Milan and I was actually meeting up with our other roommate, Asra, um, who is like at this point the ghost third host of this podcast because we mention her all the time. Um, (laughs) But it was really great and I liked it a lot. And then I also heard from multiple people that and Milan is like their least favorite city in Italy, so I like look forward to experiencing the rest of it someday because I thought it was great. Wait, people said Milan was their least favorite part? Yeah. What did you think? So I loved Milan because I think it was just very urban and very metropolitan, and I really liked it because I thought it was very it was like New York and but more glamorous and cleaner, if that makes sense. Like obviously you know, New York is very flashy, and I love New York. Like, I'll die in New York, right? But Milan was just very, like, glamorous and classy in, like, a, oh, I'm Italian sort of way, you know? So I really liked Milan. But I do understand why people think that other cities are better than Milan, just because, like, Florence has a lot more art and so many different museums, and Venice has, like, all the water and stuff. But you get, I mean, at least I got sick of Venice after, like, two days. I'm just like, okay, why are there boats everywhere. <laughs> but um, no, Venice is great. Everywhere is great. But I'm glad you did get to see Italy. And Quinn, I will go back with you and we can explore other cities besides Milan. Okay, yay. Well, in 10 years when I have a bank account again, we can totally do that. <laughs> um, also, this is the best thing I have ever seen in the entire world is in Milan, there is a giant statue of a giant hand flipping off the financial district. <laughs> Oh my god, yes. And Quinn like showed it to me and I was just like, I came out to have a stable income and I feel like I'm being personally attacked. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, Jillian, is like, you're going to have more money than me for the rest of our lives forever. So I also get to laugh at you with this giant statue of a middle finger because it's all I have. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So you might have got from this conversation that we are actually recording this on a Sunday night, and so it's just at the end of the weekend, um, and so regular disclaimer applies of, like, uh, if something happens that we aren't talking about, that's why, because um, we're recording this several days early, but right now, um, 
we are looking at what just happened in Charlottesville, what is still happening in Charlottesville, honestly being scared about what's maybe going to happen soon. Um, So basically over the weekend in Charlottesville, there was a white supremacist rally, um, I think actually on the UVA campus. And um, in the night, uh, a mob of, I think they were all men in this case, um, white men who are in this case, like literally Nazis um, from what they were doing and what they were saying um, at the if, if there is a difference, um, at the very least, like, extremely racist white supremacists, um, they were, came bearing tiki torches, which was, we could come back to that, a little too easy to make fun of. They were literally, like, party house tiki torches, but also, like, you know, the image of a mob of people holding torches, not great. First of all, you look like, uh, you're cosplaying a scene from Beauty and the Beast, um, but also, you know, the Ku Klux Klan and the amount of horrible things you can do with fire and the amount of horrible things that have been done to people with fire is just terrifying to think about. Um, so there was that and there was a group of counter protesters or I guess just protesters at, I don't, I'm unclear, I guess this initial thing was a, was quote unquote a protest, um, a, you know, a protest against like not white supremacy um they were chanting things like you will not replace us and other more graphic things um and then so there were a group of students who were protesting them and like the the images of this are incredibly powerful um and in a lot of ways really hard to look at like these groups of people that are, I mean, these are college students, they're us, they're our age, um, just being surrounded by this mob with torches. And so that happened, um, Friday night, I believe. And then the, uh, it was everywhere, like all over the news, all over social media, of course. Um, and so there was a protest, um, you know, like an anti-fascist protest in Charlottesville the next day, and a car, um, one of these white supremacists drove a speeding car into the group, um, injuring many people and killing one. Yeah, and one of the victims was 32-year-old Heather Heyer, and she was killed uh, in the car crash, which is just, this is just absolutely horrible i just it just to me this just seems so like this doesn't seem real to me like i what did you think queen when you first heard this like you're not obviously um maybe you weren't hearing this as it was going on because of the time difference and everything but when you found out what was your initial reaction one really quick thing is you just said i know um you didn't mean anything by this but i don't want to call it a car crash because oh sorry i was just literally quoting cnn oh yeah i I know you were totally just like describing (laughs) the the weapon but like i also just want to clarify that like yeah yeah yeah, and it's not you it's like cnn um the fact that like cnn is describing these things as a car crash is the problem not us but like it's language is important anyway sorry Uh, (laughs) (sighs) 
Yes. Yeah, you're right. I read about all of this in the morning um, because, like, I went to sleep before. Well, the the um, the initial rally um, happened, like, after I went to sleep and then I was reading all about it in the morning. Um, and then I honestly, like... There was a, there's a video of the car speeding into those people and like, I mean, it's, it, it's not like as graphic as some of the other videos on the internet of like these real life kind of things, but it was so harsh to watch is just like, you just see this, you can see how fast the car is going and how deliberately this person just just mowed over these people and it you're you're right like it doesn't feel real like it doesn't it seems like that should be a scene from a movie aside from heather Heyer, who was murdered by this person just running people over um there were 19 other people who were injured and 10 of them have been released today by the university of virginia health system um but it's just I don't even know what to say. I'm so speechless right now. Like, I I just didn't know how awful, you know, some people, I guess, the way people handle it, the way people view this country. And I just, I, I just, I don't even know what to say. I'm just like stumbling over my words because I'm, I don't even know how to express what I'm trying to what's even going in my going on in my head right now yeah I mean this is a really hard thing to talk about for a lot of different reasons um so let's just like we're just gonna break this down this, honestly everybody this is probably gonna be the whole episode um advanced warning but so like putting putting aside um the terrorist attack and like just talking about this rally first so, I, like, the, the pictures of this will be linked in the show notes, but it, honestly, if you haven't seen some of the pictures yet, like, it's, it's almost like it's out of a comic book or something. Like, literally, just this, this mob of white men holding tiki torches. I'm sorry, this is so serious, but can we take, like, 30 seconds to make fun of the tiki torches? Yeah, I, I literally was like, did they go to a luau before? Like, I was just, I was just a little, little confused. But yeah, it's awful. Someone is like, did you? They look like they're protesting someone's guacamole choices. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, and it's also just like those. You know, those torches are literally Polynesian, as you're like, so white supremacist and anti-immigrant and everything. It's like, what do you? How hard is it to make your own torch? I mean, I feel like they wouldn't know how to make their own torch slash, even if they did, probably when they were picking up their TV torches, they weren't like, hmm, let's consider the uh, origins of this wooden staff. Giving them any kind of consideration like that is way too much credit. Um, and also, I just... They all have them. Like, way I, too much. They, do they yeah. coordinate specifically for tiki torches? Or maybe that's the only thing they could get? I don't know. I, this is not the point. I just have so many questions about the torches. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. But yes, so these people gather en masse. And here's the thing. 
they're not wearing masks. Like, they're not wearing Klansmen hoods to hide their faces because they're not scared. They're so confident that, like, they're going to have a job on Monday, that they're going to be fine, that they are not even going to wear masks anymore. Yeah, it's just, I guess, I guess what the really scary thing is here is that it's just, like, there was no perception of anything, like, anything that they were doing was wrong, right? Like, they didn't think that what they were doing would be, uh, I don't even know. I I don't want to say, like, they would get in trouble for it, but more like they didn't think, they thought their beliefs were, like, legitimate enough to warrant sort of this protest or this rally or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I know this is America and freedom of speech and stuff, but, like, I... Yeah, no, I don't agree with this at all, obviously. Yeah, and I think we've mentioned this before, but America is actually kind of weird in the fact that, like, hate speech is protected by our free speech laws. Um, and I'm not saying that it, it should or it shouldn't, but, like, places like Germany, like, it is illegal to, to display Nazi imagery in Germany. Mm-hmm. You can get mm-hmm. arrested for it. Whereas in America, you absolutely can. You can display Confederate imagery. Um um, I mean, there's still Confederate imagery, like, in government houses. So, you know. Um, and so that is really interesting that that's – there are so many components that go into it. But that's, that's one small thing is that, like, the displaying of these figures in themselves is not a crime. Right. Right. But I think – I just didn't – do you think they knew that it was just going to escalate into this – insane amount of violence like that's that i mean i guess that's where it's like oh like you can say whatever you want you can protest wherever you want like the um westboro baptist church or whatever it can hold signs and do whatever they want and technically nothing's illegal but then when you start causing a riot and when people are getting hurt like that's obviously when it becomes much more than a freedom of speech issue oh for sure and there i'm sure there were so many guys there that would say, like, oh, I would never physically hurt someone. Like, I'm not that, like, I'm not violent or anything like that. As if what they are doing is not violence in itself. As if they are not contributing to and are, are in some ways directly responsible for the murder of the next day. Mm-hmm. Right. I am still just so speech speechless from this. Like, I can't even... I can't even evoke some sort of coherent thought process. Honestly, your reaction is still better than Donald Trump's reaction. Yeah. Uh, Can we talk about that for a little bit? So basically what happened um, in the aftermath of this, Trump obviously, like, goes on and he's just like, oh, we're so sorry, blah, blah, blah. But hang on. I need to find some direct quotes because the crux of this is that he didn't call anyone out for white supremacy. It was more like oh, we have to, like, stick together, and, ah. Yeah, he was like, violence is bad. Yeah, and Republicans and Democrats were like, okay, dude, like, why can't you just call it for what it is? Like, this is obviously not okay. And by not addressing what it is, by not calling it what it is, that's just only going to perpetuate, yeah, it's only going to perpetuate the problem. Yeah, Marco Rubio in, in particular, you know, was tweeting about, like, you have to call it white supremacy at Donald Trump. And I was like, I can't believe I agree with Marco Rubio. 
I can't believe this is where I am as a person. <laughs> I love Marco Rubio, but okay, yes, um, I agree. Like, that's Trump denounced what he called in um, a display of hatred, bigotry, and violence on many sides. Many sides? Are you... Are you is... What? He didn't explicitly call it what it is, and that's just part of the problem. Um, uh, Governor McAuliffe said, we need to call it out for what it is. To the white supremacists and the neo-Nazis that came to our beautiful state yesterday, there is no place for you here in Charlottesville. There is no place for you in Virginia, and there is no place for you in the United States of America. Yeah, see, there's a statement that actually calls out the problem, as opposed to this utter uh, um the thing about this is it's not like trump is the kind of person who is often vague and kind of like wishy-washy about these things he he the man has a catalog of nicknames that he has created for people he doesn't like he sometimes tweets about think nicknames he's thinking about changing he's he tweeted numerous times at Kristen stewart about Robert Pattinson and how much he didn't like her. Him not directly calling out the neo-Nazis, white supremacists, whatever, at, like, and I would take any of those terms, you know, is a 100% a, a sign of tacit, if not approval, then at least being complicit in what is happening because he knows that that is his base and that there are those people voted for him and that steve bannon is still in that white house Mm -hmm. yeah like the fact that president trump like did not condemn what it was like this racial superiority like that's one thing and then he also employs people like bannon who embolden or embolden this movement like this is just not I Bannon practically built this movement. Yeah, like uh, the people, the the make America great again. Like that's just not. Oh my god, I can't right now. Because there's a quote where it's like the Daily Stormer, a neo-Nazi publication, noted of Trump's post Charlottesville news conference that when asked to condemn, he just walked out of the room. Really, really good. God bless him. Mm. Literally, what? Oh yeah, the Nazis are 100% excited about Trump's response. Uh, Richard Spencer, famed neo-Nazi, was like, he didn't condemn us. Like, we're good. He's doing great. Oh my god. What? No, literally. They know what this means. Like, they're not stupid. They're hateful and ignorant, but they're not dumb. Like, they can figure out that, like, Trump not explicitly condemning him means that he is encouraging them. It's not even, like... Honestly, it's not even about, oh, him not saying anything and, like, encourages anybody. It's just more like him not saying anything, like, validates, or I don't even know if you want to call it validates, but doesn't fully express how big of a problem this is, you know? Like, it's just not, this is not the time to be static and just, like, you know, when the stupidest little thing happens. Trump has, like, 500 tweets about it. And then when actually something really important happens, he, like, can't even put together some sort of cohesive statement that really illustrates how awful this is. He's not going to. He has no motivation to do so. 
and we've known that like this we were talking about this last week um is when there was the uh, an attack on a muslim mosque and how muslim leaders are pushing him to denounce it um even though we were like well of course he's not going to do that and it's it's the same thing but just on a so much greater level is is if he was any any kind of normal president, then of course he would denounce these acts of terrorism. But he won't because they are beneficial to him and his agenda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think maybe we should shift this conversation a little bit into maybe looking at stuff that we can do from here. Um, I think that's really important to talk about because, I mean, I'm, step one um, is calling it what it is and recognizing it which we've been screaming about for like the first 20 minutes of this episode so there's that um but then also like there is stuff that you can do even when it feels like there isn't so let's talk about that stuff i think part of the at least when i think of what we can do i feel like trump and a lot of people have made this big deal out of terrorism from other countries and you know closing off borders and things like that but we still need to do something about the terrorism that exists in our own backyard um so that should be a priority so like on that note it's 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 hard to think about how to combat things like terrorism because that's like such a huge concept um but (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny because um, all these people always say stuff like like Muslims should prevent Muslim terrorism as if like all Muslims are in communication with each other and can control each other's actions. Um, but like, hello, white people. It's time to uh, time to start checking in on white terrorism. But but seriously, because like on a local level, like if you have people in your family that like you're avoiding having conversations with because they're like your weird racist uncle mm, your weird racist uncle is not like you're the fringe person anymore like he's the person with a tiki torch and you need to talk to him and you need to have those uncomfortable conversations because you can and you'll be okay and the black kid down the street might not be so you have to talk to him that's step one i think yeah, like, when I was younger and I was growing up, I mean, not that, like, I have a lot of racist relatives or even, even, not even about race per se, but, like, my parents would always be like, okay, Jillian, like, always, never, like, when we're at family events or when we're out in public, like, never talk about, you know, religion or politics or anything, and because, like, those are uncomfortable subjects and sometimes people, like, feel weirded out by those, but I would like to, uh, <laughs> I would like to say right now, like, I completely agree with you and Quinn, like, we need to have these conversations, no matter how uncomfortable they are, um, because the only way we can create some sort of change and, I don't know, sort of spread the news that this is wrong and we need to come up with ways to fix the problem that we have in our own backyard, like, we need to have these conversations and we need to stop caring about whether or not something's, you know, appropriate for a dinner conversation. At least that's what I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... What about other ways, um, maybe, like, less in the family and more, like, um, what can we do in terms of, like, donations and national-level stuff? Like, I I don't even know. I'm trying to think about, like, the organizations 
where making donations would be super useful. But I think, I honestly think that the problem here is just, it's not necessarily, it's like the motivation or like what these people were thinking of when this, like who, who did this, like the white supremacists who put this together and who were being violent and just causing obviously all these problems. Like how, like how do we help them, like help them, you know what I mean? Like it's just like this weird like, I, I'll donate, but I don't know where... What do you think, Quinn? That's a good question, because, I mean, in stuff like this, it can be hard. It's like, well, what is the actually most effective cause? Um, and, well, first of all, directly. Um, there are some places where you can donate directly to help, like, um, the family of the woman who was murdered um, and, like, the Charlottesville community in... in helping them through this time and so like those are like really local direct things that you can do to help um and then on a larger scale i'm gonna do some research on this because i don't know off the top of my head but um i know that there are organizations that do work for example um like legally persecuting uh people who um like commit acts of terrorism and in this way and um like programs that work to um educate to like prevent stuff like this from happening in the first place um and and stuff like that so i will do research on causes that seem to be um effective for preventing and um persecuting this kind of thing and link those in the show notes i just feel like this just like going back on the whole you know like how just divided our nation is and it's stuff like this that reminds us or like at least reminds me about how other how many how many people think differently than I do like I just like I I sometimes I feel like I'm still very naive and I'm just like oh yeah like I know that there are you know some prejudice that like there's prejudice that exists in our country but like we're getting better and it's like are we really though like are we actually improving like I just feel like we try to take three steps forward and we end up like four steps back you know like it's just I I don't know yeah that's (laughs) that's hard to think about and to deal with because i feel like for a little while there was this narrative of like racism is dying out like oh it's just like your old racist uncle i keep bringing up your racist uncle (laughs) sorry buddy but um and i mean we've known for a while that like a lot of young people voted for trump and that was not a great sign um and then with these pictures these rallies it's like no these are young people and racism isn't gonna die out like we gotta we can't wait it out it's it's gonna always be here um and so i don't have any particular answers for you or anyone um but all i can say is like we have to have hope we we just have to and then we have to have faith that the work that we do does something even if that something is is it helps one person or one family or it stops one person from um being radicalized into a group like this like that has an impact um i was i have like this running joke with one of my friends and i'm just like oh yeah like whenever something minor happens and i'm just like yep leaving the country like gonna move to my own private island and then when this happened i like texted him and i was like 
yeah, so private island, and he was like, yeah, good idea. Um, so it's just like, it, it's just hard because like literally the only thing I want to do right now is, and I'm sure a lot of people are feeling this way, like they just want to run away and you just want to get as far away from the problem as you possibly can because that's the easiest, but it's just like this weird balance of like, just because something's the easiest doesn't mean that it's going to be the best in the long run. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, if the events of this weekend were something that really knocked you down, then like, take the time for yourself and take care of yourself. And like, this battle is going to be a battle that takes years. And that's so (laughs) exhausting to think about. But it is. Um, And like, people need to take care of themselves so that they continue can continue like living their lives and doing this work and i mean i know for me like everything hits people at different ways and for me like the pulse shooting last year like knocked me down hard and i literally just wanted to pick up my bags and leave the country forever um i didn't obviously one because i'm still in school and that would be a poor decision but also because eventually like i was like no i do i should continue working for a better country not just leaving it but this is a roundabout way of saying my point which is that if this is something that um made you lose hope or makes you feel like the only option for you is to leave if that is true for you then do what you need to do to be safe but we could also use you here and we'll try to help you build this country to be better. Also, sorry for all international listeners for this episode. This is just 100%. Like, I know we're mostly very U.S.-centric, but this episode in particular is a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, fam. Um, yeah, and like we always say, like, there's power in numbers, and that works both ways, right? Like, Obviously, there was enough power numbers here that these awful people could make some sort of substantial impact on Charlottesville and on Virginia and actually cause people's lives to change in the most negative of ways. But then there's also positive, um, there's also positive results from strength in numbers and just more than ever, we need to like stick together. And essentially, Trump did say that, like we need to unite, but like we need to unite over the problem that is white supremacy. I mean, I guess to review, um, everything that happened has been horrible, and this stuff has, of course, always been happening in American history, and this is just, like, the latest, latest iteration, um, and a really gruesome reminder, and so name it for what it is, pay attention to what it is, listen, talk work for causes that you believe in and take care of yourself and stick together. So there is no transition to be had here, but honestly, like we don't want to talk about another news topic today and we just want to talk about something that's more fun. So, uh, the topic is now Taylor Swift. Here we are. (laughs) Yay. Look at that flawless transition. (laughs) This is like, I had a, the transition was so bad. I had to put a disclaimer. (laughs) (laughs) that's when you know um so basically what happened in the past few past few days what's been going on is that there's a trial with taylor swift over 
um, I guess she was at a meet and greet, and this DJ, um, David Mueller, well, now ex-DJ, um, was taking a picture with Taylor Swift, uh, with his girlfriend, and then Taylor Swift says, like, this is what the whole case is about, um, is that when he was trying to take a picture, he, like, inappropriately touched her and, like, lifted up her skirt and, like, touched, like, her butt, and then there's, like, this whole, and so she said that, and then he's all like, no, that's not true, blah, 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 and also, like, she's doing this to ruin my life and, like, ruin my job and all this random other stuff. Oh, yeah. So there's a picture of this, by the way, because it was at a picture of me and Greet, and, like, his hand is very clearly grabbing her butt. Um, and then she also says that, like, he lifted up her skirt and had, like, grabbed her underneath her skirt. Um, and so obviously that's, like, very traumatic. And this happened a while ago. She's, you can tell she's pretty young in the picture. Yeah. Um, and I rem- honestly, I think I remember this picture going around. Me too. Like with yeah. A, with a joke attached to it. Like it was funny. People were like, oh, look at this guy. Um, that was a long time ago though. But yeah. And then, so she, I think basically she called the radio station and was like, hey, this guy like sexually assaulted me. Um, and then he got fired. <clears throat> And then he, he came back and sued her for $3 million saying that he, like, she deliberately got him fired. And she countersued back for $1 for sexual assault. Yep, pretty much. Um, and so the case is still ongoing, I think. The case against her has been thrown out because um, the judge was like, no, she wasn't trying to get you fired. Stop. Um and yeah. I don't think the rest of it's been settled yet as the time of this recording, but what everyone was real excited about was when she took the stand and some of her quotes from this experience are legendary. <laughs> so apparently when the lawyer was questioning Taylor Swift, um, and somebody was like, oh, well, like, why does the front of your skirt look normal in this photo taken with the guy who sexually assaulted you? Um, and Taylor Swift literally was like, because my ass is located on the back of my body. And so, which is just like a completely savage statement. And I love it. Mm -hmm. Also, when someone asked if she was critical of her bodyguard for not reacting to this fast enough. And she said, I'm critical of your client sticking his hand under my skirt and grabbing my ass. Amazing. Amazing. And my favorite quote of this is, I'm not going to allow your client to make me feel like it is my fault because it isn't. Yeah. And I think that's a really powerful statement because a lot of what happened, like a lot of victims in these sexual assault scenarios do feel like it is their fault. And it's just like, no, you know who's wrong here? The person that did that. 100%. I just, I love this whole case because, um, there are a lot of criticisms of Taylor Swift, and a lot of them are very fair. Um, I think we've generally been a pro-Taylor Swift podcast um, because I do love her music, and yeah, she is a problematic fave, but in this case, it's like, you cannot deny that she is absolutely doing the right thing here, standing up for herself, not allowing him to bully her or victimize her, and just being like, hey, like, this was a really crappy thing that you did and you deserve to be punished for it because you can't just, you shouldn't be able to just get away with this kind of sexual assault. It's not funny. 
I also think this is super important because Taylor Swift is a very prominent figure and she is a celebrity and I mean I love her and I love her music but I think this also goes to show that like she by her making this public and by her pursuing this I think that gives other people who have been sexually assaulted perhaps like some courage or the motivation to be like or you know a better understanding of wow like this isn't my fault and I should also do something about this so I think this really is um really important and I can't and even though it's obviously an awful situation for Taylor Swift I think that there is something positive that can come from this trial for sure and I love that she countersued him for one dollar she was like I she's like I have so much money I don't care about the money but like I want you to lose (laughs) (laughs) yeah literally no but yeah and it's like every every single time there's any kind of case like this everyone's trying to blame the woman and say that she's lying and like all these kinds of things and anytime that someone like taylor swift who just has immense amounts of power can can use that power to be like no uh this isn't people's fault this is unacceptable is just gonna be a net positive for the other cases as well I'm trying to imagine, you know, this happening to me, and I just, like, I'm still sort of taken aback by, like, how cool and composed Taylor Swift was through all of this, because, like, I do not doubt for a second that this happened to her. Like, I do believe her, and I do think that she, I I don't think she's lying at all. Um, But, like, I would have just flipped out if, like, somebody touched me inappropriately, and so I'm just, like, there's just this culture of, you know, like, I guess this is like long history of girls just like putting up with people's whatever and just oh god I hear you trying not to swear I know I was like I she's gonna beep it out anyway so I'm not even gonna bother saying it <laughs> but yeah I mean this is the thing that's like I um every time I'm walking alone and I hear a guy say something to me even like calling out like hey baby or anything it's really scary even just someone saying something to me like that because at that moment suddenly like i'm not just walking down the street like i am an object that this person is acting upon and i have no way of knowing if he's going to try to touch me if he's going to be violent if he's going to follow me and that stuff is so scary and like and it, it it's it sounds like even someone saying like hey baby to me is not harmful at all but like honestly it can throw off like like entire sections of my life depending on when and how this happens and so the idea of like me do, me being just like i don't know how she how old she's in this photo it's during the red tour so maybe she's like twenty early 20s yeah, definitely early 20s. Yeah, so someone, so like our age, and like a full grown man comes up and grabs my butt, I would be paralyzed, which she said that she was as well. You can see how she shifted towards the woman away from him, but like, like I honestly, like I wouldn't have been able to push him away either. I'd probably just be too shocked. And then it would, it would like ruin the rest of my day and like, possibly multiple days (laughs) no yeah definitely i mean i think that like i know that there's all like oh like you can ignore people when people say things to you and like stuff like that but like honestly 
this I I don't think so. Like I think I just like like you said, Quinn, like walking down the street and hearing someone like catcall you or something, like I know like they're probably not thinking, Oh, like I'm going to sexually assault this person, but just because of the way, you know, like things are and I'm just like I've just always been taught to be like very defensive. Like even stuff like that just really bothers me and really does ruin my day. Yeah, for sure. Also in the I, I like I said I was just in Italy and someone um was walking down the street started what was like clearly catcalling me in italian and i ignored him and then he said like hey sweetheart or whatever in english and i'm like oh good bilingual catcallers <laughs> um, oh my god also i've noticed like on these past couple trips as i've been like primarily by myself um in a lot of ways is like i'm just so mean i i am like the master city person now because i don't let anyone speak to me I just look at them like they are something that has crawled out from under the fridge and died. Um, whether they are someone who is trying to scam me or catcall me or anything, I look at them and just sometimes don't even look at them and walk away. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think that's all you really can do. Um, yeah, I mean, just just keep doing you, Quinn. You, you are thriving. Thank you. So, TLDR, um, Taylor Swift is an absolute boss for taking this into, you know, the public light and addressing it, and because I do think that she is a role model, and I do think that her actions will definitely open up or help enlighten what people think about, you know, comments or, like, even, even, like, I guess... One of the issues that I have is just, like, a lot of people will be like, oh, like, just because he, like, touched your butt, like, doesn't mean anything. But it's just like, yes, it does. Like, that's still a complete invasion of privacy, like, a complete invasion of personal space and privacy. And it should not be tolerated. And I think she's doing a really great job in making sure that he does somehow pay for these actions. Hold men accountable for their actions, 2K17. Please. <laughs> Maybe. Like, at least one. <laughs> Stop. Oh, my God. Yo, if we just get, like, one more man accountable for bad actions in Europe. <laughs> We've been trying to do this for the past 4,000 years. Let's uh, let's try to make 2K17 the year that it actually matters. We could impeach the sexual assaulter in the White House. We could, that would be, I would accept that. That could be life-changing. I'm going to make that my, I'm going to put that on my vision board. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> All right. Um, sorry I sounded so sick today. I'm really not that sick, but my voice is, apparently. But yeah, I think that's our episode for today. Sorry about today. Yeah, wow. We really were very U.S.-centric. Not only did we talk about a U.S. event, but we also talked about Taylor Swift, who does have, who literally is from Pennsylvania, and then also, you know, Tennessee. So, like, the <laughs> the whole exact you know the, the quintessential american country sweetheart okay taylor swifton is an internationally beloved figure so okay yeah I, that's I fair reject, that's true i reject also, <laughs> i mean she's just like one of the most successful artists in the world she kind of has to be um anyway <laughs> amazing uh i just sometimes you just have to pick things to hold on to in these times and mine is this sexual assault trial 
And mine is Taylor Swift's, you know, five brilliant albums. Also, she owes us a new album. Oh my god, yes, she does, because she's literally been, like, cranking out albums every two years, except, you know, uh, what's her last- I- I'm still- <sighs> I'm very angry. Here's the- no, here's the thing. She- her last album came out in the begin at the end of 2014, because it was the start of our freshman year, and I'm really, really hoping she's putting out one at the end of 2017, because it'll be the start of our senior year, and it will be the most lit circle ever. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, I was about to end, and then we got distracted by Taylor Swift again. So, um, <laughs> feels weird to plug stuff after that episode, but um, I do still gotta let you know that it is Relay's anniversary month, and that is a good thing that is happening in the world, regardless of everything else that's happening. And not only that, but I think when this episode goes out, like, bonus episodes will be coming out. So, um, get on that. Uh... If you want to support Relay and you can afford it, we would love to have you um, and to have you get this sweet, sweet bonus content and newsletters and extra podcasts. And it's just a fun time. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, there'll be a link in the show notes to do that. Or you can support Mixed Feelings directly if you would like at Relay.fm slash Mixed Feelings, where you can uh, get your membership there and you can also send us an email if you'd like. There's a contact form on that webpage. You can also find us in Twitter at MixedFeelingsFM or in the Apple Podcast Store where it would be cool if you left us a review. You can also find me on Twitter at AspiringRobotFM. And you can find me on Twitter at underscore Jillian Parker. Thank you for talking with me today, Jillian, and always. Thank you for talking to me, Quinn. I can't wait to see you in like two to th- two and a half weeks. I'm Quinn Rose. I'm Jillian Parker. And these were our mixed feelings. <laughs>